thanks for being here, you guys, uh, as we kick off the, our, our short summer series and as we kick off our short summer series with a picnic today. Um, did you guys bring, like, those little squirt fans? I think it's going to be hot today. I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be hot today. I got a little confirmation out there. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to be hot today. I think it is hot today already. It's not going to be. It is. Um, so, uh, like, you guys know I'm, like, I love words. I love to, to think and uh, dig deeply into words. And uh, this, this week I found one that I'd never really seen before, and it's really incredible. And that's at the end this morning. So I want to, I'm super excited to, to get to talk about the idea of, of what it means for Christ to have welcomed us. Um, but um, I want to read the, the passage for us. Dave has already read it this morning. I want to read it again. Um, Romans fifteen five through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So I want to bring out three statements, one from, from each one of these verses that, that bring some idea for us. First one is harmony comes from Jesus. Um, and harmony is a... Is, is a Let's just let's define harmony. What it means here? It, it's this is one thing that I found this week. It's the exact same word that's translated in Philippians throughout the book of Philippians. That says this attitude is yours in Christ Jesus. So the idea that that is being created here is is the harmony that's within us is our attitude. Um, and I've seen and, and read attitude defined as the the state of mind that predicts our response to external circumstance. Our attitude is the state of mind that predicts our response to external circumstance. And so harmony is, and we'll talk about this idea of semantic domain. Semantic domain is, is the way, the, like domain, is, you think of domain, you think of a house, and semantics are, are the, our use of words. So where words live. Semantic domain is where words live. And this word that's translated here as harmony it's somantic domain is part of it is, is harmony, but it also in a different context can mean a different thing. And in Philippians two, it can mean attitude, but it's the same idea. So the idea is what paints our response to external circumstances. That's the, the big concept of the word. When you talk to your kids, you got a bad attitude. It's their state of mind that predicts their external, their response to external circumstances. That's that semantic domain. But here, this semantic domain is, is harmony. And it's so our attitude is one of, of harmony, of, of bringing things together, of being at peace together with yourself and with each other and with the, the concentric circles of your life. And that's, that's the idea of harmony. But more than that, it's, it, let's, let's read the, the rest of, of this verse because the semantic domain is, is taught here with what comes behind the comma at the end of verse 5, in accord with Christ Jesus. In accord means the natural flow of something. Um, when I'm really tired, when I haven't gotten a lot of sleep, when my back hurts, if my kids get on my nerves a little bit, the likelihood is I'm going to yell at them. So in accord with my being tired, I'm crabby. 
When I walk into my house and my wife has been baking and I smell cookies, in accord with that, I'm going to get hungry and I'm going to take my taxes. I'm going to eat a couple of warm cookies, two minutes out of the oven. Perfect. So, and, and that's the idea. So me being crabby and me being hungry for my wife's cookies are in accord with something I'm engaging with. So if I'm crabby, this is what's going to happen. If I'm tired, this is what's going to happen. If I smell cookies, this is what's going to happen. So the harmony that we have is be in accord with Jesus. All right, so take what, what you know about the verse in, in the chap, chapter 2 of, of Philippians where Paul says, have this attitude which is yours in Christ Jesus. Be of the same mind as Jesus. It's the same idea that Paul's talking about in Philippians 2 that is talking the harmony that exists within a church is in accord or because of who Jesus is. Um, and that's super important for us as we engage life together to live in harmony. And that's the whole point of, of this whole series, One Church. The whole point of us getting together today to have a picnic is to be one church, to be together, to live together in accordance with who Christ is. Um, you guys know who Bill McCartney is? You may not. He's a, he's a guy that was he, he began something called Promise Keepers about 15 years ago or so, but before that, he was a head football coach at uh, University of Colorado, and he won a national championship there in college football. Um, I heard him speak at a Promise Keepers event many, many years ago, and he used this illustration. Before that season, he knew there was something special about this football team that would eventually go on to win the national championship. He knew there was something special. So he gathered all the guys together during spring practice, and he brought the captain of the offense up and the captain of the defense up and had them stand in front of everybody. Um, and the, the captain of, of the defense was uh, a city kid from the, the, the streets of Chicago, and he was... He was big and massive, and, and he was, imagine somebody from the streets of Chicago, he was the epitome of that. He brought the captain of the offense up. He was this, he was the quarterback, and he was a country boy, and, and he, so standing in front of the entire football team is this Chicago City kid, and this, like, country boy, and they're standing up next to each other, and he, he had them stand back to back. So these two hulking guys who have absolutely nothing in common aside from the jersey that they wear, um, standing back to back in front of everybody. And he said to, to the quarterback, I want you to tell the guy that's standing at your back if there's ever anything coming at him. And the guy, the, the Chicago City kid was facing this direction. I want you to tell your guy, the guy standing at your back, if there's ever anything coming at you. And the idea was that each one of these guys was going to lean upon the other, and though they had absolutely nothing in common, aside from the jersey that they wore, they were going to be partners together. They were going to have each other's back at all times. And, and that's what this verse is teaching. Like, there may be people in this room that you would never, ever cross paths with. There may be people that will be at the party. There may be people that will be in this room next week. You have nothing in common with them. But what you have in common with them is Christ and how Christ has planted you here in this earth, on this planet, in this city, in this community, in this time, in this place. This is what this Romans 5, 15, 5 means. May the God of endurance and encouragement, so he's given it to you, grant you, that's a grace gift, to live in this attitude, peace, 
harmony with each other because of what Christ has done. The second thing is in verse 6. It says that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I've said this. You are one voice glorifying God. Do you know, do we operate, do we live life understanding this idea that, that we were created to bring glory to God, to bring attention to God. That's why you're, you're here. That's why you exist. And we are one voice together glorifying God. Um, have you guys ever seen the movie called Saving Private Ryan? Probably more people have seen Saving Private Ryan than know who Bill McCartney is. So you may connect with this illustration just a little bit better. Um, so there's a scene in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the Germans have, have attacked and, and have the Americans kind of pinned down. And there's a guy... Uh, Private Mellish is trapped in a room, uh, and he's he's literally hand-to-hand fighting with a German in in a room upstairs in a building. And there's this wimpy guy named, uh, his name is Upham, and he's, you guys know who I'm talking, you guys seen this this scene before? And he's he's been given the task to go around with all of the the ammunition, so he's, he's strapped with with all kinds of rounds of ammunition, and he, he's supposed to be going up to this room to bring the ammunition to, to Mellish so that he doesn't die. But now there's a German is beating him up there, and, and there's, they're actually fighting. And he stops on the staircase, and, and he's, it's played beautifully. And, and he's sitting on the staircase, and he's literally crying on the staircase because he's got a, a gun in his hand, can go up and, and kill the German and save his friend, but if you, rem- if you know the scene, he's frozen. He's literally shell-shocked. He can't move. And all he does is sit on those stairs and cry. And the close of that scene is the German is on top of, of the American, and he literally shoves a, 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 the American's bayonet into his chest, and the guy dies. And while this other guy is, is, is on the stairs in a heap, whining and crying. And so... The German starts to walk down the stairs and sees this guy on the stairs laying there crying. And they just look at each other and he passes him by and, and that's, that's the end of the scene. What you may not know about that movie is Tom Hanks is the, the star of, of the movie and he isn't in that scene. But later on, Tom Hanks is shot and killed by who? The same German that was up there in that room. Um, I didn't realize that till, till this week looking at, at the scene. But the point is that we are here together. And, and we, we think, I, I want to say, like, if you aren't fully engaging with who Christ is in this body, being who God created you to be, you're that crying, scared kid on the stairs. Be who you are. God, and, and I think to myself, well, it's not a life and death Situation: Somebody is not 10 feet from you being killed because you're scared to move. But it, but it kind of is. Like, there, it, it's, it's bigger than life and death. It's, it's your spiritual life and death. And, and even if, if you don't see yourself as, as someone who stands with a microphone and opens the word and, and, or even leads a community group or, or whatever you think the hierarchy is of, of leading within a church, it's, it's silly and it's nonsense and it's, it's, it's man-created to think there's some sort of hierarchy that, 
that somehow Dave and I are, are more important or our community group leaders are more important, but the people who Norm is going to go and cook food for us. He's going to leave in just a little bit and, and fire the grill up and, and start the picnic so that we get their foods ready for us. That's, that's important. That's, that's vital. And, and if we shrink from who God has created us to be, we disserve this particular church and the church as a whole. And, and that's, that's the picture of, of there. So this whiny guy on the stairs disserved Mellish, and Mellish died because this guy was afraid to be who he was. But more than that, the, the bigger church, he, the mission partially failed because this guy was, was sitting on the stairs whining and crying. And so what I want to say to you is, is this. God has created you for a very specific purpose. And God has called you to this place for a very specific purpose. And your voice, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, who you are, what, you're, what you lean to, what you're drawn to, what you do with your Friday nights and your Saturday nights and, and what your hobbies are, all of those things are part of God's eternal plan. As much as it was, his eternal plan was to, to send Christ to redeem us from our sins, the same plan has you here in this time and this place. Do we, do you, do you see that? That's so important for us to, to come to grips with. Let me read that verse again, verse 6, to illustrate this. That together you may, with together, you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is who God has, has created you to be, and it's so important. Be who you are in this body. Your voice is essential. Use it. Um, the last thing, and here is the, the end, the third one. Welcome Christ. Welcome as Christ has welcomed you. Um, Ask this question. What, what would, ask this question of yourselves. What would you say to someone who says, what does it mean for Christ to welcome you? What does that mean for Christ to welcome you? Welcomed here means accepted or received or taken in. And I want you to like, try and remove yourself from the fact that you're sitting in a church listening to a sermon and think about this word welcomed. And what does it mean to welcome someone? When someone comes into your house, what do you, what do, you do to them, what do, you, what do you want to do to show them that they are welcome here in this house? What, what sorts of things are going through your mind? I want to put them at ease. I want to make them feel comfortable. I want to make them feel welcome. I want them to, to feel free to, to put their feet up. I want you, them to, to feel free to, like for us, we always tell people we have a, a fridge downstairs in the basement. Feel free to go down there and, and grab anything you want at any time. What's ours is yours. We want you to feel welcome here. What we have, we would like to give to you. And, and that's this idea of welcome. And it's such a, a beautiful word. When we think of, of, of a welcome, when we're bringing someone in, what, what sorts of things are we doing? Um, so that uh, the, there we go. Uh, this, if you've been through a membership class, you've seen this before. We call this the triangular movement of the gospel. And to welcome as Christ welcomed is the picture of this. So many times in churches, we get this mixed up and then church gets on top. And so you're only welcome here if you can match our church. If you can be 
who we want you to be. If, if you're comfortable showing up in jeans, then you can come and be a part of this. Or, or other churches, if you follow this list of rules and, and wear these clothes or don't wear these clothes, then you will be welcome here. This is, we would rewrite Romans 5, 7, is welcome as the church welcomes. But that's not what it says. Or culture, we put the culture on top and we say, like, you can do whatever you want to do. Just come and, and, and be a part of us. We're never going to um, engage you with any sort of truth. And, and that's not what we're talking about either. Welcome as Christ welcomed. And here is, here's the kicker. This is the, this is the end of it. Fire that next slide up. This is the semantic domain of the word welcome. Um, and and I, I know you guys are all looking at the, at the screen reading this, but I want you to listen here. This is, this is so massively important for us to engage and understand what Christ has done. Because all of this, the harmony that we have is in accordance with Christ. And, and we are to engage this culture with Christ. We are going to Im- impose the gospel on the culture. And this is the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart that what Christ wants to say to you. Semantic domain of this word welcome. It means in other contexts. And the fullness of this word is to take as a companion. And, and further with that, that idea of, of companion, the semantic domain of that word can be a friend, but it also can be a, a spouse. Think about this is when Christ has welcomed you. He has taken you as a spouse. And the, and the scripture talks about that all over the place. That you are, we are the bride of Christ. And, and understand, like, what would I give, what would I offer to my wife, what would I, what would I do, how would I welcome her and engage with her and, and, and be in communion with her and engage with, like, like think about that, that I wouldn't do with just common people, the, the difference between a friend and a spouse. Do you, do you understand, like, if my wife is hurting, I'm taking this mic off and I'm going to go to her. If, if there's hardship in her, like, my, my idle moments are, are thought when she's, like this week, she's been working 13, 14 hour days for the last three days. And, and I, I pray, I've prayed a lot for her because of who she, what's going on in her heart. And so this idea to take as a com- companion, when Christ says that you are welcome, this is the idea that he has. That he has taken us as a companion. And is that like, it's so exciting to me. And then the second one there, grant access to one's own heart. Like intimate sharing of life. Like you can see the vulnerability of my heart. I'm willing to show you the depth of, of my sin. I'm willing to show you the depths of the things that make me nervous or scared or bring anxiety to me. I want to I engage you with that. When we say welcome, this is what we're talking about. Engaging the depth of a heart. Um, and the last one there. Take into friendship and interaction or a deep connection. This is... Like I, I, I need you to see the beauty of Christ here. Whatever you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing... Wherever you find yourself, in the midst of sin, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of, of questioning God, in the midst of doubt. I, I heard a, uh, I, w- I was at a, a college event this week, uh, a couple nights ago, 
And I heard a pastor say this. He said, your doubt cannot thwart the sovereignty of God. Your sin cannot thwart the sovereignty of God. Your doubt cannot affect your welcome by Christ. You are just, you're just welcome. There's nothing you do or can do to get in or out of it. Your doubt, your sin can't change that from you. But, but so many times we freeze like that whiny, crying private on the stairs. We're scared to engage because somehow we think we're not qualified or equipped to engage. And that's such a lie. You have an enemy, his name is Satan, and he has one weapon, and that's to get you to believe something that's not true. And what he wants to get you to believe that's not true is that you are not welcome with Christ. It's just simply not true. You are fully, completely welcome in the fullness of the semantic domain of the word welcome. You have been taken as a, as a companion of Christ. In all that you are, in all that you are, you've been taken as a companion of Christ. And we understand that idea, I hope, because it's, it's something we've been preaching here for almost 10 years. Come as you are. Christ will accept you. He loves you fully, steadfastly, has nothing to do with yourself and everything to do with who he is. And so we are welcome to come to him at all times, in all times. And our command here as one church is to welcome people in that same capacity. And that's where, like, my knees are buckled. Because some of you get on my nerves and frustrate me. I've spent this morning frustrated with people. And I'm convicted of, of like, what if that was Christ towards me? What if? But it's, it's not. We, if we understand welcome of Christ... How does that change the way that we engage North Church and its people? And how does that change the way, more importantly, we engage people around us that think or believe or act or look differently than we do? It's got to change us. Welcome as Christ has welcomed. It's the, the heart of, of what the gospel is and what God is trying to say to us. Um, let's, uh, let's pray and then sing some songs and respond to our God. Thank you, God, for welcoming me. God, I pray that you would... Um, Show me your gospel in these moments and uh, change me with it, Father. May we understand with great intensity and great depth the beauty of your welcome of us, Father. And may the natural flow of that be for us to welcome others, Father, as you have. God, I want to know you. I want to understand my welcome from you.
God, I want to teach others about that, Father. God, I pray for those in this room that we would all see what it is and how it is that you have equipped us and gifted us and, and given to us that we might engage this body with one voice in harmony so that your gospel and your fame and your renown and your glory would go out, God. God, this is a simple place with simple people and a a small place with not a lot of people, Father. But your plan from the beginning of time was to bring these people together, Father. That we might engage with each other, be companions with one another, Father. Welcome each other with one voice as one community, Father. God, guide us today. Um, God, help us as, as we go to, to a park down the street, God, that it, it wouldn't just be a fun way to spend a summer, although it is, God, but it would be an, an opportunity for you to open our eyes to the beauty of relationship that you've given to us. God, may we see you and your plan in the, the details of our lives, God. God, I thank you for Jesus. It's in his wonderful and perfect name that I pray. Amen.